You are listening to the IMN podcast produced by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion. We've asked members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to share how their lives have been blessed by living the gospel of Jesus Christ. To the Savior's request, come follow me, they have all responded, I am in. Devin and Kim Davis met in seminary at Eagle High School. Devin served a mission in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and then went to BYU. Kim played softball for Snow College in Ephraim, Utah, and then worked for the church at the Family History Library in downtown Salt Lake City. Together, they have experienced the highs and lows of entrepreneurial life from extraordinary financial success in their early 20s to homelessness and living with family in their 30s. By relying on the power of their covenants and their faith and strength in Jesus Christ, they were able to build their way back up again. They give credit to the Savior for being the one constant through it all. Devin and Kim have been married for 21 years. They are the parents of four beautiful children. I like this introduction. It makes me sound much better than I am. I appreciate that. I'm sure that Kim wrote it. I did not write this, but I just had to review what it said. All of it appears to be true. So appreciate you guys being here. And uh, when Brother Knight reached out to us, um, the, it was really interesting. You know, as, as Kim and I were on a trip, we had been discussing this very topic. Brother Knight, we were kind of at a crossroads in our own life. Our oldest daughter had just returned from her mission. Uh, we took a family trip to Hawaii and we thought we'd let her get her post-mission weirdness out uh, on a beautiful beach. That sounded like a great idea to me. Brother Knight reached out and uh, he said, the topic was how the gospel of Jesus Christ has blessed me personally and professionally. And you can go a lot of different directions with that. But tonight, what I want to share with you, um, if we were to back up and, and approach the end and take it back to the beginning, is uh, a quote that is in our home. We have, have you guys ever seen those TVs that have the, uh, you can put art on them? Okay, so we have one of those. And instead of art, we do quotes. And the quote that uh, is one of my very favorites is from C.S. Lewis. He says, look for Christ and you will find him and with him, everything else. And if we were to rewind the 21 years of our marriage and the several years of knowing each other prior to that uh, in high school, as Brother Knight mentioned, that would prove true in every single circumstance. When we look for Christ, we find him. And when we find Christ, we find everything else. So as we dive into this, let me give you some context and some history. Um, my family moved to the Boise area when I was 14. I was not excited about the move. Uh, I was just going into high school, between my eighth and ninth grade year of school. And I thought it was the worst thing possible, the worst timing possible. Mom and dad, how could you do this to me? And for the very first time, I really got put outside of my comfort zone. I didn't know anything about Idaho. I didn't want to be here. And as school started, um, I went to school. I had no friends. 
and I had a few friends in the ward, you know, you start to get to know people. But it felt very lonely, and it seems silly looking back now, but it was very real to 14-year-old Devin, right? Like, I'm alone. And I think for the first time, I had a choice to make. I thought I could really be sad and dig my feet in on this, or I can choose to have a better attitude and I can try and find some sort of peace. And, and as I went through this process, I thought, you know, that interestingly, this is about the same age that Joseph Smith was. And he had questions and I thought, you know, I'm gonna take the advice in James 1.5 and I'm gonna ask God how I can know these things. And as I was reading that, I thought, you know, I, this process. I've never read the Book of Mormon from start to finish, so that was my goal. 14-year-old Devin, hard to imagine now because I don't have that hair, but if you can imagine just a blazing red full head of hair um, and in all of my pasty skin glory, I sat down there and I read and I read and I read in our little house on uh, Fieldstone Way in Meridian. We, uh, we were there and I read. And I remember coming and, and thinking for the first time, it's time to ask. Got to the end of the book, I read the great promise of the Book of Mormon, and it was time to ask. And surprisingly, I didn't get what I was hoping for. I felt good about it, I felt really good about it. Later that night, I was contemplating that and I thought, okay, I want, Heavenly Father, I want this. I want it really bad. I thought maybe I'll start over again. And I was reading, just in, in contemplating this, I read the story of the first vision. And as spiritual experience, reading that, and I knew that the Book of Mormon was true. Now, why do I share that story? Because for me, it's foundational. And as I look back at the experiences that I've had in my life and the times that we're gonna discuss tonight, I'm wanting you to think about your own foundation, where it is, how you gained that foundational testimony. And I promise you, that as you think about it and as you further anchor that experience or those experiences, that they will be a blessing to you in the future. I went about life and, and life got better, right? I mean, I made friends. Uh, they built Eagle High School my sophomore year. And uh, right on cue, uh, I walked in and uh, first day of seminary, my sophomore year, there was a beautiful girl sitting in seminary. Uh, and I didn't know who she was, but I wanted to know who she was. And uh, as, as I came into uh, seminary, I, I had to know. I had to know who is this girl. So I asked a friend and uh, buzz, buzz, buzz. And Kim, turns out Kim Simpson is the name of the girl. And uh, here she is. And as you can imagine, I had no shot, right? I was like, she's way out of my league. I didn't care. 
I wanted to get to know her, and, uh, and I did in a roundabout way. We had seminary together, and, and as we walked back and forth from the school to class every day, I would try to like walk, time it, and like walk out at the same time, you know, like really cool. And interestingly, as we crossed paths and as we had seminary class together, I thought not only is she beautiful physically, but I started to get to know and see her testimony. So I'm a fan of church education, right? I mean, go to seminary, go to institute, kids. I mean, you get to know somebody in the ways that matter when you see them in a spiritual setting. You get to understand who they are and you get to see the depth of their soul, right? Their spirit. And uh, as, as I got to know Kim, I thought I would really like to take her on some dates and I would really like to get to know her. And, and as we developed that relationship um, through, I mean, don't tell anyone. I mean, I like to keep this a secret. We did date a little bit in high school, right? I mean, I think you would call it steady dating. I don't know the, what the technical definition is. I just knew I didn't really want to date anyone else, so I didn't unless I absolutely had to. Um, I left uh, after graduation and um, went on a mission. I loved my mission experience. Uh, what a treasure. And uh, I'll tell you, just a couple of stories um, from mission because the assigned topic again is how has the gospel of Jesus Christ blessed me personally and professionally? These are foundational experiences again. So um, the foundational experience in high school, one that I wanna share is be in the right places. Be where you should be and the Lord will bless you. You know, it doesn't mean that everything's easy. It doesn't mean that everything is, is going to be smooth sailing. In fact, it probably won't be. But if you put yourself in the right situations and you're in the right places and you're seeking and you're striving, anybody recognize that word? As we strive, as the New Temple recommend, interview questions invite us to strive. As we strive to be in the right places and do the right things, the Lord will bless us. I left on my mission and, and truthfully, I mean, it was awkward, right? I was like, um, we didn't talk about it. We were poor communicators. And I was like, I mean, she'll wait for me, right? Pro maybe, uh, probably, surely, of course she will. Uh, Kim's cousin did me a favor right before I left. And he, he uh, I went to a family reunion this summer before I left. And uh, he took me home to my, to my grandparents' house in Utah. The reunion was in Utah, and he said, hey, bud, let me just tell you something. There's no chance that she's going to be around when you get home. I was like, dude, why? Why would you say that? She could be. So I left uh, thinking, I don't know what happens there. But I knew that the Lord loved me. I knew that he was aware of me, and I went out uh, on a mission. Um, early in my mission, We'll, we'll save the details. Um, but let's just say that uh, in the Sao Paulo MTC now, there's a, whole, um, there's a whole safety training day and two of the exhibits are mine. 
Uh, one is the reasons why you take your deworming medicine. We won't talk about that tonight. Um, I'll just say that tapeworms can become gigantic, uh, super long. Um, and I learned that the hard way. Uh, the second reason, the second exhibit uh, with Elder Davis is uh, you can no longer burn rubbing alcohol in a pan in your room to heat up your room uh, in the missions in Brazil. And they actually teach that there in the MTC. Because what can happen is your companion can accidentally start you on fire. It can start you on fire. And so my companion accidentally started me on fire. In fact, I had no skin um, left from my knee down um, four months into my mission. And in all of the wisdom that I had as a 19-year-old, I said, hey, um, I'm not going home, so we can't tell anyone. Not the right move, but you know, that's what I thought was the best thing. I was like, if we tell someone I'm gonna get sent home, you're probably gonna get sent home because you set me on fire. We can't tell anyone. We also didn't have a lot of medical knowledge, so the best that we could do is uh, we ran it underwater in the shower. Well, the problem with the water is that it's not clean. So we were introducing infection into a huge open wound. Um, when I say open wound, there was nothing here and then the back looked like, have you ever burned a hot dog on the grill and you know how it just gets nasty with the crusted black part? That's the rest of the leg. So nothing on the front, the rest looked like one of those hot dogs. Uh, some of that crust came off in the water, that hurt. Um, and so we went to bed, or tried. I got transferred. My companion stayed in the same area. I got transferred to the neighboring area. I had another companion, and really long story short, about 10 days later, I knew that something was really wrong. I had a fever of 104, it would not go down. I mean, I, I didn't know anything, but I'm like, if you take all the Advil and all the Tylenol and all the other things that you have and your fever doesn't go down, that's bad. I was wrapping it in gauze every night and I didn't tell my new companion about this wound uh, because then he would know, right? So um, what I did, what I did was every night I couldn't sleep and there was no pain reliever that even affected this in any way. So I went back to seminary. I was a good seminary student. And I went back to the scripture masteries. They were called scripture masteries then, now they're called doctrinal masteries, right? I went to the scripture masteries and I recited them from start to finish over and over and over and over until I fell asleep. Now, here's the foundational moment here. I'm in a country far, far away from home. In a city, they don't even know how many people live in Sao Paulo. They think it's 24 million. All these people, and I have never felt so alone, except for when I'm reciting 
these memorized scripture masteries. Why is that? Well, the answer is because the Savior is in the scriptures. And when we look for Christ, as I said in the beginning, when we find Christ, we find everything else. So I found him. There he was. He was right there in the scriptures. Now, through a miracle, I happened to pass out in a member's house who was responsible. And the member took me to the hospital. I woke up in a Brazilian hospital, not the kind you want to be in. And I said, get me out of here. Uh, my companion who had started me on fire was now my zone leader. And he hurt, got wind of this and he came and he thought he killed me. Which is funny because I didn't die. Uh, otherwise it would not have been funny. Um, long story short, I lived. Uh, and, and here we are today. And children, if you get burned, tell somebody. Uh, they need to know. Uh, but the foundational story. We can find the Savior if we look for him. And I found him there in the scriptures. Fast forward a few years. Um, you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows after that. Uh, Kim did dear John me. I mean, I, this is actually a great place to tell this story. Uh, 23rd month, for anyone curious, I did serve a 24-month mission. So on the, on, in the 23rd month, I got a Dear John letter from uh, Kim Simpson. Um, terrible timing. I mean, just the worst, really. Uh, but it worked out. And that's a story for another day. We got married six months after I returned home. She was living in Salt Lake um, and uh, working for the church. She ran uh, a floor for the um, Family History Library, right? Kim's a super smart person, a math major, and our kids get all of their intelligence from her. Um, and the good looks for me, obviously. But uh, as, as we decided what we were going to do as a family, as we talked about you know, what we wanted to do, the things that were important to us. We knew each other's testimonies. That was huge. We knew what we believed. We knew what we wanted to do. And I knew that I wanted to make a lot of money. That was my goal. We didn't grow up uh, with a lot of money. And I was like, you know what I want to do? Make a lot of money. And I had learned on my mission that there were actually, I, I see I didn't grow up with this knowledge, that there are real people that own the businesses. There are people that do that. And I thought, that's cool. I want to be one of those people because it seems like they make the most money. So I went and I studied finance uh, at BYU. And I thought, okay, there's a trajectory here. I can get into this finance world and it seemed like a good game. Um, a friend of mine introduced me to a business when I was uh, in my first year there. And the business was a cool business. It was a telecommunications business. We were responsible for acquiring customers uh, locally at first and then regionally and then nationally. And the company that we were working with would pay us ridiculous amounts of money for growing their network, right? So that's what I did. And it was really good. It was really good. It wasn't without issues, but uh, I remember you know, just a, a few years into our marriage, um, 
I remember one particular week, we got paid weekly in that, in that business. And I remember Kim coming in and, and saying, uh, guess how much money you made this week? Like, I don't know. How much? She says, you made $25,000 this week. It's like, that's a good week. And the next week was $27,000. And as we started to make money, that was fun, right? I mean, that was the point. That was, that's what I wanted. I was getting everything I wanted. And I thought, times that, times 52, that's going to be a big number. It's going to be a big, big number. We were probably 24. I didn't know what to do. So I did the, the logical thing, bought a Range Rover, bought an Escalade, you know, just uh, all the things that you would want to do. You know, went and bought a Rolex, of course, why wouldn't you? And I, I really was having fun. Now, keep in mind, we were fulfilling our callings. There's nothing wrong with anything. The, the things, the possessions, there's nothing inherently wrong with them unless you start to think that maybe those things define you. And if you start to think that you're driving a certain vehicle and and you look over and you look at the vehicle next to you and think, mine is a lot cooler than that one, that starts to become a a problem. And it it is, it cankers the soul. You know, does that make sense? It, it eats you alive from the inside. So, you, you know, we're serving in our callings and, and we have a beautiful little family. Uh, we had two of our four children at that time, third on the way. And things appeared to be great. I was at a point where, you know, there's, there's certain times in your life where you're like, I think I have it all figured out. I was like, I'm, I'm actually, I, it never occurred to me that I could lose. I mean, Kim did dear John me and I had been set on fire and I was born with fiery red hair, which was unfortunate and it's all fallen out now. So no one will ever know, but I didn't think I could lose. I thought God has smiled on me to the degree that um, I actually can't lose. And I, I think it's so funny uh, because not too long after that, I started to think, okay, uh, as I turn to the scriptures, there's one scripture in particular. It's found in two places in 2 Nephi. The first one is in chapter 1, verse 20, and the second is in chapter 4, verse 4. And Uh, I was thinking that I was like the embodiment of this scripture. Scripture says, Inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall prosper. Ye shall prosper in the land. It's like, we're keeping the commandments. We're doing our thing. We are prospering. And the Lord knew me better than I knew myself. It's true for all of us, by the way. And I think in a, in a tender mercy, he started to help me find my way. It was painful, kind of like a burn, maybe more painful. 
I didn't describe the burn very well. Um, when you have a burn and you wire brush the burn, that hurts, hurts a lot. You have these involuntary streams of water that fall down your face. You cannot stop them. It does not matter what you do. You cry. Uh, but you have to remove the rotten tissue. And it's a process. And it turns out that I needed some of that in my life too. The Lord needed to remind me that I was not a Range Rover. And I wasn't a Rolex. And I wasn't a fancy house in a gated community with a little perfect beach in the backyard. That was nice, that wasn't it? That was nice. Um, I wasn't a boat. I wasn't any of those things. So Kim started to have an impression. And by the way, as you look for a spouse, you want a spouse who has these spiritual impressions. And she started to share this impression. She said, you know what? I don't know, maybe this isn't our future. And when she mentioned that, I thought, you know what? Maybe this isn't our future. Maybe this business I don't want to do for the rest of forever. And it seemed simple enough. We had money in the bank, not a little, a lot. We had investments. We had, we had done things the right way. We had savings. Um, probably, you know, I joke around that I retired at 27. The first time I thought, okay, uh, I got enough money in the bank to live until I die. I was 27 years old. Um, what happened from 27 to 30 is another foundational moment. What happened from 30 to 35 is the wire brush. From 27 to 30, I continued to live in a way that I thought I was untouchable. Of course, I loved God. And of course, we went to church and we honored our covenants and we went to the temple. We were good. And somehow, we won't get into the details, as I left that business and felt a strong prompting to leave that business, sold it, made some money, put that money on top of the other money that was stacked up in the bank, and thought, okay, what next? Well, as we search for what next, the what nexts started to evaporate. And we went all in on things and we made some ill-advised decisions because it never occurred to me again that I could lose. And at 30, the Range Rover was gone and the Escalade was gone and the boat was gone and the house was gone. All the things were gone. And we lived on Hialeah Way in Kim's parents' basement at their mercy, driving a borrowed minivan from Kim's grandma, looking for change in the minivan to buy some eggs to feed our now four children. There was nothing. It was gone. 
We had money. We had some, some things that happened and, and hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars. You watch it evaporate and, and you wonder what happened until you're there and you wake up one day and the only thing that you have is bill collectors. They're your only friends. Hello. Yes, I know I owe you money. I'm sorry, I have no money. At some point, I thought, I've been here before. I've been lonely like this before. I remembered my mission. I remembered that foundational experience, and I thought, I need to find God. I felt abandoned, to be totally transparent with you. That I, I can lose, turns out. Um, I was surprised every day that I woke up and Kim was there. I shouldn't have been. I know her character. I know who she is. But it did surprise me a little bit. I'm like, why is she here? I cannot win. I tried starting new businesses. I would go and interview. I would go in and the people would say, well, you've never had a job before. You've, never, you've only owned businesses. And it was a hard time to get a job anyway. The economy was down. And um, they're like, what, what, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I did have an organization of 20,000 salespeople. I could probably help your salespeople. They're like, yeah, you're probably going to leave as soon as you find something better, though, aren't you? Yeah, yes was the true answer. So I had to say yes. I said, yes, I probably am. I'm probably going to leave as soon as I find something else, or I'm trying to start three businesses on the side right now, but I don't know what else to do. In the meantime, here's what happened. Kim went to work. She didn't want to. She never, she, that was not her life plan, right? Super intelligent, super capable. Her plan was to raise children. She was killing it. Great mom. But that math major kicked in. We had some friends who owned a business. And that business um, was Italian jewelry. They sold jewelry in Costco. And they said, hey, Kim, um, we're doing a, a road show in Costco. Uh, this was Christmas time. Would you, they kind of knew of our plight. And they said, maybe you would come and work some hours uh, during this Christmas road show. And she did. And she was very good. And thankfully, we had that money so that our kids could have Christmas that year. That's how that worked. Um, afterwards, they approached her and said, hey, you're super capable. Uh, would you be willing to maybe work part time to uh, help us out, put a, an inventory system in place? She's like, math major, numbers, that's great. Yes, I'll do it. And, you know, you started, I think, making some embarrassing number. Um, not much. Not much. But it's, it seemed like the world to us. You know, keep in mind, not too long ago, there had been eight figures in a, base, in a, in a bank account, and now we're like, $11 an hour? Yes! We are back, you know? We are going to fill up that minivan gas tank this time all the way to the top. We actually didn't know because you couldn't see the gas gauge. It didn't work, nor did the speedometer. So uh, that was a super fun uh, part of that. 
As this went on, I started another business, had some success in that business. Kim stayed in the jewelry business. She was running the business a couple of years later. She was in charge. She ran the business. Um, unexpected, right? Foundational moment for us. Now, look, I just told a story that took a few minutes. Jordan, I don't know if you remember this, even though we were next door neighbors at the time. But we were not in the basement for a few months. We were in the basement for five years. For five years, we were in the basement. And I know the sun came out sometime while we were there, but I could not tell you when it was. It was dark with moments of happiness. And I thought to myself, I remember thinking, this is the plan of happiness. And one day the realization finally came to me that this was my wire brush for my soul. I needed to be scrubbed. I needed to understand that money was just money and things were just things and houses were just houses and cars were just cars. And at the end of the day, what we had left was the covenants that we had made with God and with each other. We had a beautiful family, beautiful children who loved us and we loved them. And as we began now to dig out and to come back and to progress financially. You can't live in the basement forever, right? You got to get out. Kim started to make good money running the company, and we were able to transition now that and, and to springboard that into successes uh, that, that we've had over the last several years that have put us back in a, in a good, really good financial situation. Um, the point of today is, is to share with you the fact that as we look for Christ in our lives, we do find him. As we are refined by him, uh, it may hurt at times. It may be uncomfortable. It will be uncomfortable. But as we embrace that, and as we search for that, as we seek that out, and we say to the Lord, what lack I yet? And as we heed his call to give all that we have and to follow him, he will bless us. Uh, the last little story that I want to share with you. Brothers and sisters, friends, right? There is nothing more important in this life than a personal relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for 14-year-old Devin, who was lonely, and it seemed silly, but who took the chance, who had faith, acted in faith, and wanted to know if these things were true. I am grateful for him.
I'm grateful for 19-year-old Devin. I'm grateful for 27-year-old Devin. And I'm grateful for today's Devin. He's, he's decent. Um, but I, I promise you this, that the Lord has been there with me every step of the way. The parting advice I have for you, and then if you have any questions, great, is to approach your life with the first things first. Money, if you want money, fantastic, go get it. If it's not of interest to you, fantastic. Find happiness, have faith in those covenants, and seek the Lord, and you will find him. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.